0: It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Monday, April 11th. This is your KVMR Evening News. Tonight on the California Report, as the state faces a severe third year of drought, officials warn many Californians can expect mandatory water restrictions. Then we head south, where thousands of children remain stuck at the U.S.-Mexico border. Teachers, themselves asylum seekers, have created an educational enclave for kids in a Tijuana migrant shelter. In national native news, a pilot project for tribal schools in Alaska gets the green light from the state senate. And we hear about this Saturday's Dance, Art, Hope benefit for Ukraine in Nevada City after updates on local news and weather.
1: This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Even as the highly contagious BA2 sub spreads across the globe, California has not yet seen a sharp uptick in new coronavirus cases or hospitalizations. But in Los Angeles, more people who do test positive for COVID will now have access to treatment. As KPCC senior health reporter Jackie Fortier tells us, the test to treat program is expanding.
2: High-risk patients with COVID symptoms can now walk into 70 clinics and county testing sites in L.A. And if they test positive, walk out with a free course of COVID treatment pills. L.A. County Public Health Director Barbara Ferrer says telehealth is also now an option for people who can't go or don't have a site close by.
3: The DPH telehealth providers are clinicians that are available seven days a week to screen patients for eligibility and determine which medication, if any, would be appropriate for that patient.
2: Medications are then shipped to the patient's home overnight. All of this is free of charge. The pills are antivirals, which means they stop the virus from duplicating in the body. They work best if taken as soon as COVID symptoms start. For the California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los Angeles.
1: California relies on melting snow in the Sierra Mountains to fill its reservoirs and irrigate Central Valley farms during the hot and dry summer months. That's why there's worry about just how fast snow is melting in the Sierras this early in the year. Melting made worse by a spring heat wave in the state. The state's snowpack is down to just 26% of average for this time of year. That number from the state's Department of Water Resources. The dry conditions also mean California forests could be primed to burn with early summer forest fires. Katrina Hand is a meteorologist with the National Weather Service in Sacramento.
4: With the melting snowpack, uh, we do have some more exposed areas to the solar radiation. Could see some drying of those fuels up there as well.
1: And as the state faces a severe third year of drought, water officials have said many Californians can expect mandatory water restrictions. For over two years now, the closure of the U.S.-Mexico border to most asylum seekers has left many migrants in limbo. For young people especially, that means months without school or any way to fill their days. One organization in Tijuana is trying to do something about that by giving young migrants a place to learn where they can also deal with the mental toll their journeys have taken on them. From Tijuana, reporter Max Rivlin-Nadler has more. I'm in a canyon
5: filled with informal housing a mile south of the U.S.-Mexico border. Farm animals share space around a stream filled with household trash. For over two years, hundreds of migrants have crowded into a network of shelters here. On this morning, behind a wooden fence along the canyon, there's classical music playing, as a teacher readies art supplies for her students. At the school called The Nest, Many of the teachers and all of the students are migrants looking to enter the United States, whenever that becomes an option. Ten-year-old Gabriel is one of the first through the door and gives his teachers a huge hug. He's especially excited because tomorrow is his birthday.
2: Uh, hoy tengo
5: y he migrated to Tijuana with his mother and four-year-old brother from Michoacan, Mexico in August. Michoacan is experiencing incredible levels of violence As the state government has ceded almost all control to organized crime. Gabriel started at the Nest in September. He tells me at the Nest, what he likes most is the opportunity to help his friends learn. He says his school in Michoacan was larger. The Nest can be a bit cramped. But he likes this one better. His favorite subject right now is math. Gabriel's math teacher today is 33-year-old Walter Orlando Campos, who fled Honduras. He was an elementary school teacher there for over a decade, teaching every subject.
2: He said he never
5: wanted to leave Honduras, but the political crisis there gave rise to unchecked gang violence, and he saw no other option but to leave. A father of his friend was recently killed days after receiving threats from gangs. He's been in Tijuana since July. At the nest, he's able to earn money as a teacher and continue to help students his life's work. It's also helped his own mental health after he uprooted his life. He says when he got to Tijuana, he didn't have any happiness. He couldn't enjoy anything. But once he found the nest, he was refreshed The children give off such positivity. Every morning, they start with a song greeting every student to the school. Right now, there are nest locations serving migrants in Greece, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Zimbabwe, and here in Tijuana, starting in 2018. The idea, says CEO Lindsay Weissert, is to give children a break from the stress of migration.
4: All children deserve to feel valued. And all children deserve to have a space where they can just be children um, away from adult conversations where past violence against them may be retold.
5: Right now, there are thousands of migrant children living in Tijuana. The Biden administration says it plans to end a policy next month that has stopped virtually all asylum processing, meaning the months and years of waiting might soon be over. But that probably won't end regional migration patterns that have been building in recent years, especially among Central Americans. So now, the nest is expanding. Soon, they'll serve kids from three to 10 years old. For Doris, who fled domestic violence in Guerrero with her daughter, the nest is giving her a chance to feel proud again, especially when the kids call out to her on the street.
3: The nest hopes to finish its
5: expansion later this spring. For the California Report, I'm Max Rivlin-Adler in Tijuana.
2: Support for the California Report comes from the California Healthcare Foundation, working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just healthcare system. On the web at chcf.org slash health equity. The James Irvine Foundation, accepting nominations now for the 2023 James Irvine Foundation Leadership Awards at irvineawards.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement.
1: And that's this edition of the California Report for Monday, April 11th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Check out our daily podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can also go to our website. Just search for the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening and have a good day.
0: After a two-year pandemic-induced wait, tonight's National Native News takes us to Lawrence, Kansas. The University of Kansas celebrates the annual First Nation Student Association's Pow Wow and Indigenous Cultures Festival. And the Alaska State Senate greenlights a pilot project for tribal schools. The program allows tribes greater control over education curriculum. Tribes hope to address low graduation and attendance rates among Alaska Natives.
3: This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. The Alaska State Senate recently passed its version of a bill that would clear the way for the state and tribes to begin work on education compacting. The legislation will now head to the House. Several tribes and Alaska's largest Native organization are backing the bill. KYUK's Olivia Eberts reports.
4: The bill, SB 34, was originally written to allow the State Department of Education and Early Development to allow a series of tribal compacted pilot project schools. Under this version, the schools would have opened as soon as the fall of 2023. The Senate Education Committee substituted it with another bill that gives the Education Department and tribes more time to flesh out what the five pilot projects will look like. Then, the Department of Education will present its final plans to the next legislature. Education Department Tribal Liaison Joel Isaac says this extra time is critical for the tribes to plan the schools they want.
5: The immediate effect is the time to scope, the time to come up with a plan, and it brings tribes directly into that process.
4: The five pilot project schools could open as soon as fall 2025. In tribal education compacting, tribes can tailor their students' education to their own needs, which they hope could rectify the low rates of graduation and attendance in Alaska Natives. Tribal education compacting in Alaska is based on the success of tribal compacted schools in Washington state. The Senate passed SB 34 with only one nay vote from Eagle River Senator Laura Reinbold. We need to know exactly what the tribe is and what they stand for, who's allowed to be in, etc. Reinbold said she opposed it on the grounds that she doesn't understand how tribes get their members. The Senate bill will now head to the State House, where it will meet up with its House counterpart. Both the Alaska Federation of Natives and the Department of Education support the Senate's version of the bill. For National Native News, I'm Olivia Eberts.
3: For the first time in two years, student staff and the public took part in the University of Kansas First Nations Student Association's Pow Wow and Indigenous Cultures Festival. It was held Saturday in Lawrence. People were eager to celebrate after the annual event was put on hold due to the pandemic. Rhonda Lovaldo has more.
2: Hundreds of people came to experience the KU First Nations Student Association or FENSA Pow Wow and Festival. It had many activities beyond the powwow, including lectures, storytelling, and cultural demonstrations. Lori Hasselman, Native American Student Success Coordinator, says they are hearing great comments. I think we're really excited and really
5: pleased with how everything has gone so far.
2: One of the panels included Kansas Congresswoman Sharice Davids Ho-Chunk talking about her children's book, Sharice's Big Voice, and how she wanted all people to feel included in her writing, as not only one of the first Native American women elected to Congress, but the first openly LGBTQ congressperson to represent Kansas in Washington.
3: There are so many different ways um, to, to exist, and they're all okay. Uh, and there's not one right way to do uh,
2: life. One special guest included Director of KU Basketball Operations Fred Kordelbaum, who brought the 2022 Men's NCAA National Basketball Trophy to the powwow, which thrilled many fans. This is Rhonda Lovaldo for National Native News.
3: Sea Alaska Heritage Institute is hosting a lecture this week on Native identity and blood quantum. The talk will examine how Native people are identified, biological, cultural, and legal, and the ways blood quantum determines membership in tribes and governmental benefits. The Tuesday afternoon lecture will be streamed online by Sea Alaska. I'm Antonia Gonzalez.
1: National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation, with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by the Gathering of Nations Powwow, a live event taking place April 29th and 30th on the Powwow Grounds of Expo New Mexico, featuring song, dance, trader's market, horse parade, and more. Tickets available at gatheringofnations.com and at the gates. Support by the Albuquerque Hispano Chamber of Commerce's Convention and Tourism Department. Providing complete convention and visitor planning services to Hispanic and Native American conventions. Information on convention and tourism services at ahcnm.org. Native Voice 1, the Native American Radio Network.
0: Now let's take a look at today's regional news. The National Weather Service predicts significantly cold and wet weather Monday night through Wednesday morning. Due to this forecast, Sierra Roots and the County of Nevada have activated their Extreme Weather Shelter protocol. The protocol began at 4.30 p.m. today and will remain in place until 7.30 a.m. Wednesday morning. The shelter, located in the lower level of the Nevada City Veterans Hall, opened at 4.30 today and will accept guests until 8 p.m. tonight. The Veterans Hall is located at 415 North Pine Street in downtown Nevada City. The Homeless Outreach and Medical Engagement Team will provide case management services to attendees. Hospitality House will provide homeless access transportation to and from the Veterans Hall. And the Nevada County Veterans Services Office will connect homeless veterans to available services. At 1.10 this afternoon, Ubinet reported a fallen tree across all lanes on Highway 49. Three vehicles were damaged. The tree appeared to have fallen on at least one vehicle. Emergency services arrived at the scene on Highway 49 near Allison Ranch Road and were able to extricate individuals from all three vehicles. By 1.21 p.m., California Highway Patrol, the Nevada County Sheriff's Office, and the Grass Valley Police Department all had a presence at the scene. At 1.31 p.m., Ubinet said incident control reported one fatality at the accident. By 2.25 p.m., CHP began reopening both northbound and southbound lanes. The Union of Grass Valley reports a driver who authorities say was under the influence early Sunday struck five vehicles and a parked speedboat, sending himself to the hospital with major injuries but hurting no one else. Tyler Sterling Bean, 21 of Maine, was driving a 2017 Subaru WRX around 3.30 a.m. on Rough and Ready Highway near West Drive when the crash occurred, the California Highway Patrol said in a release. Quote, Sterling Bean allowed the Subaru to veer off the south side of the roadway, where it struck five unoccupied cars and a speedboat parked outside a residential area on Rough and Ready Highway, the release states. The Subaru came to a stop after striking a PG&E guy wire. reports state. Sterling Bean had major injuries, including a facial fracture and cuts. The incident remains under investigation. The release states CHP will forward charges to the district attorney's office. Pacific Gas and Electric cut a deal with prosecutors in six California counties today that enables it to sidestep criminal prosecution from two wildfires. Instead, the utilities company will pay tens of millions of dollars in fines, charitable contributions, and other expenditures. The state's largest utility agreed to pay more than $55 million in order to avoid prosecution on last year's Dixie Fire, the second-largest wildfire in California's recorded history, and the 2019 Kincaid Fire in Sonoma County. Under the deal, the DA in Sonoma County dropped the criminal case and Sacramento Valley prosecutors will forego filing charges both fires were caused by PG&E power lines. The deal is likely to be controversial among fire victims and others given PG&E's track record on wildfire safety and the amount of damage done by the two fires. But the district attorney in Plumas County, where the worst of the damage from the Dixie Fire occurred, says the agreement makes sense. Quote, Making this agreement required a level of trust and partnership in meeting Plumas County needs. PG&E's new leadership team has demonstrated they are committed to change and will continue to work towards earning our trust, end quote, says Plumas DA David Hollister in a prepared statement. PG&E says the payments will be borne by the utility's shareholders, not ratepayers. This reported by the Sacramento Bee. Now let's take a look at our regional weather. Today's rain and hail saw downed power lines in the Peardale area. One such downline on Meadowview Drive resulted in a power outage affecting 54 PG&E customers. Ubinet reports another 34 customers lost power along Red Dog Road. The storm caused falling trees and tree limbs, resulting in property destruction and several car crashes. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, mostly cloudy, gradually becoming clear with the low around 26. Tuesday, a slight chance of snow showers between 11 a.m. and 2 p.m., followed by a slight chance of rain showers after 2 p.m., increasing clouds with a high near 49. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 9. Thunder is possible. Tuesday, mostly sunny with a high near 33. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 38. Tomorrow, sunny with a high near 63. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Hearing the latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine, it can be hard to know how to help from halfway around the world. Up ahead, we hear about local efforts rallying aid and funds for first responders on the ground in Ukraine. We're talking with Anna Durga. She's part of the Dance Art Hope benefit, which is happening at the Odd Fellows Hall in Nevada City this Saturday, April 16th, from 6 to 11 p.m. Anna, why don't you explain to folks what Dance Art Hope and the benefit is all for?
3: Thanks so much for having me on. So we are bringing money and funds to Ukraine. And through that, we are working with the World Central Kitchen. So all of the proceeds from Saturday night's event will be going towards food first responders that are on the ground in Ukraine and helping people to have a a meal while they are, you know, going through wartime, essentially. That's this Saturday from six to eleven on the Spring Street side of the Oddfellows. It's an event that will be centered around dance, art, and joining together in a community uh, community rally of of hope. We have our um, a dance instructor. He